Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Poisonese. You are listening to another special release from the Poisonous Cabinet Patreon files. We've decided to give you another little taste of what we get up to over on our Patreon channel while we're on our December break. As ever, the format of Patreon is a little different to our main episodes, but we cover a wide range of subject matter on this subscriber-only channel. So if you like what you hear today, do head over to Patreon. You can sign up to listen to more than 70 extra episodes and bonus material for just $5 a month. Patreon is completely flexible, but we hope you'll think it's worth it. The link to Patreon is in the bio of all of our social media channels or just search Patreon forward slash The Poisoner's Cabinet. The episode you're about to listen to was recorded on the 17th of August 2021 and is a very special compendium of daring dastardly tales for your listening pleasure. Enjoy! Hello, Poison Patreons. Welcome to another episode of Deadly Nightcaps with me, Sinead. And me, Nick. Bringing you more tales of poisoning and murder cases, old and new, all washed down with drinks that make your dramas obsolete. <laughs> Thank okay. you to all of our delicious, lovely new Patreon subscribers. We hope you're having a lovely week. Yes, what a jolly, delightful week it is. Is it? Well, I know, it's quite sunny out there. It is. Well, it's a novelty today because we're actually recording this Patreon episode in, in the morning. At 11.30 in the morning. It is. It is a sunny day. We've I had know. a coffee. We've strolled the streets of Canterbury. Managing to resist a cocktail at 11.30am. There's a tiny bit of me that was like, <laughs> it's not unacceptable to have a gin. But I don't do Patreon things without a Negroni. You really don't, no. But I feel like that is a, a slippery a, sliding it is a slope. a slight step too far, I feel, so I've managed to resist the urge. That is where alcoholism starts with, yes. I think it's all right to with, have a drink at with 11. A, with 11.30am Negronis, yeah. With a Negroni at 11.30, yeah. A gin and tonic, perfectly acceptable. Oh, really? Okay. Or a modest selection of breakfast wines. Absolutely. How are you, Nick? I'm all right. <laughs> is it going to be a show tune week? Show tune week, yep. Ethel yep, absolutely. I'm going to sing the whole thing. Yay! Anyone or anything you would like to poison this week? I don't think so. My shoulders, my shoulders a bit better. Oh, is it? Good. From last week, yeah. I can oh, move it, see? Swirly, swirly. And so uh, many Patreons have returned going, I've oh, also got a sore Something shoulder. in the air. Shoulder demons going on. <laughs> I was going to say maybe a new symptom of COVID, but shoulder demons. No, shoulder fine. demons. <laughs> shoulder <laughs> demons. Oh, no, because the devil's sitting on your yeah, shoulder. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but does the devil sit on the right shoulder or the left shoulder? I don't know. It depends if it's a good one or the bad one. I'm not. The I'm, bad one. No, a devil. Oh. It's a bad devil. It's an angel and a devil. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not sure which way around they go. There is something in ye olde literature about the left and the right. One side being good, one side being evil. 
And uh, I think the left is left the, the evil, evil one. one. I think. Well, because left-handed oh, people are, yeah, exactly, the work of the devil. So they are the work of the devil. So yeah. So okay, we've established there's a little devil sitting on your shoulder. Oh no, because it was my right shoulder that was a problem. So now I had an angel. I had oh, your angel, but your angel was wearing you down. He's fucked off. So. <laughs> He was whispering good things in your ear, like, be a good person, do more exercise. So like, that, that's off. why no one's been poisoned. It's done the trick. <laughs> I'm going to poison mosquitoes because this year, maybe because they have been deprived of humans for the last year, because <laughs> we've all been inside. I don't know why they are attacking everyone I know and me. I'm now strawberry flavoured to them. I'm fine. No. I've been, I'm being bothered by Eaten alive, I tell you. Well, this is at the moment because my blood is mostly Negroni at the moment, so... <laughs> <laughs> the mosquitoes drink from you and then fall dead out of so, the air. Yeah, exactly. So they know, know to steer clear. Well, should we talk about poison and murder for a bit? I think it's probably wise that we do. Shall I? Shall I tell you a story? Yes. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> oh, oh, I know what we didn't ask. What? What are you drinking, Nick? <laughs> I have a very exciting blackcurrant squash. I too have a blackcurrant squash because I'm in your house. Yes. It's blackcurrant and apple. I'm all blackcurrant and apple. Oh, apple. Luxury. A little apple goodness. <laughs> yeah, we just... had a coffee, a very nice coffee. Yeah. Now we're on to a squash. And crazy, crazy behaviour. hand gets to 12 and then we can drink again. And then it's like, Negronis! <laughs> right, so today on Deadly Nightcaps, I am branching out into something a bit different. Yeah, something a this tad... has not been cleared by this the committee. This has not been cleared, not okay. been approved. <laughs> But okay. Well, as you will, you will know, it is not always easy to find a good story to write about that will fill one of our episodes. This is this is true. There, we I mean we do do a lot of rambling that fills episodes as well. But um, <laughs> we try to keep it mainly story based. I think the listeners uh, have cottoned on to our trick there. Really, <laughs> yes. Fifteen minutes of story, forty-five minutes of just noise. But. Often when you're researching, you all come across loads and loads and loads of cases that are brilliant and bizarre and weird, but they are just a bit too brief. Tiny. So today we are going to have a compendium. Oh, a compendium. Yes, a compendium of short stories for Yay! your entertainment. Ooh, a compilation. A compilation episode. An anthology episode. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> More words. <laughs> oh, excited. Where's Yay. my thesaurus? I don't know. <laughs> So, for our first case, for our first case of the day, we are starting in London. I'm sorry, this now feels like... Do you remember the Storyteller, the series? No. Yes, you do. Probably. Jim Henson produced with uh, John yes. Hurt. Yes, I think yes, it was yes. called The Storyteller. Yes, I, yes, a big, big wind chair, wing chair on a Sunday evening. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want a big wind chair. Why is it Sunday evening? Then, when I think compendium of stories, because I think you only told one a week, but then sometimes there are a couple. And I'm like, oh, good, it's story time. I need a big book. <laughs> need a big book and a dog that talks. No. Right. So none of that. None of that. So we are starting in London. Okay. With the ever so respectable Reverend Elias Hewlin. Yes, now Reverend Hewlin is a French Protestant clergyman. He had been, in his younger days, a minister at the French Conformist Church in Soho. But when we meet him in 1870, he is 84 years old, retired, and living a very, very comfortable life. Ooh. Now, the Reverend was a very clever and resourceful man. And during his life, he had built up an impressive portfolio of property. He had houses in the most fashionable, fashionable streets of London. He lived at number 15 Poulton Square in Chelsea. Um, Chelsea. I, I looked it up. 15 Poulton Square still exists. And when it was on the last on the market, it sold for just under £6 million. 
That's pretty cheap, actually, for London. So a decent house. A yes. A decent size house. But he also owns number 24 and 32 Paulton Square. Oh, OK. Um, as well as two houses nearby Wellington Square. Oh, bloody hell. So, yes, quite the, quite the portfolio he has. What's he keeping in these houses? Well, tenants, mainly. Most oh. of these properties are rented out, which gives him a considerable income. And yeah. But he is often seen strolling through the Chelsea streets with his little dog. There is a dog! There's a little dog involved. He has a little dog. Yeah. The, the little uh, dog has a little dog? No, the little dog has an even smaller dog. <laughs> <laughs> and the little, the smallest one is the one that talks, but no one can hear it. Because <laughs> he's so tiny. But as I say, he is often seen strolling along, calling in on his tenants to collect the rent and wish them a good day. His coin purse full of golden guineas jingling as he walks along the street. You love this. I love this. <laughs> In May of 1870, the Reverend decides that one of his properties in Wellington Square needs a bit of work. So he hires some workers to do a bit of plastering and a bit of papering to get it ready for his next tenants. Every day, the Reverend would call into the house to see how things were going. um, And every day, he would take out his purse of coins and hand each man their daily wage. After one of these visits, the Reverend spoke to one of the builders, a Scottish cap called Walter Miller. The Reverend tells Walter that he's going away for a few days to visit a friend up in Lincolnshire. And he entrusts Walter with the wages for the men for the time he would be away. (laughs) Days passed and the money that had been left for the wage bill runs out still no sign of the reverend and it's not like him to forget his commitment however not long after um, a young man arrives at the reverend's home he introduces himself as monsieur hewlin the reverend's nephew uh, freshly arrived in london from france he said his uncle had written to him saying that he was extending his stay in lincolnshire for a while longer he had sent him the key and told him to make himself at home never trust a nephew who turns up on your doorstep <laughs> they're always a nephew or a niece never a child never a sister never a parent it's always a nephew or a niece and <laughs> lies lies every one of them <laughs> so the young monsieur hulin is a very strange sight in the the quiet streets of chelsea um mm. he's described as a foppish foreign looking individual oh wow um, <laughs> by who by, well by the just the people in the area foreign looking he has uh, a pince-nez uh, you know the little um, the spectacles that pinch over the nose? They're called pince nez. Oh, is that what they're called? Yes, pince nez. Ooh. And a very highly waxed moustache. Um, his accent is incredibly strong. There's something a bit peculiar about it that they can't quite put their fingers on. But then none of the neighbours had ever met a Frenchman before, so perhaps this is, they were all like this. They they just weren't sure. But he was quite the spectacle. They were just sort of looking at the moustache and the spectacles and went, oh, we've never seen a Frenchman. He's missing the onions. <laughs> yes. Where are his baguettes, they Where said. are the bicycles that he rides daily? <laughs> Monsieur Hewlin explained that his uncle had requested that his housekeeper, uh, Mrs. Anne Boss, travel up to Lincolnshire to meet the Reverend. Um, Mm. The Reverend intended to stay a while, um, and Mrs. Boss knew exactly how he liked things done, so Mm. he wanted her there with him. Mrs. Boss tries to protest. How could the young master get on without a housekeeper? He didn't know the house, he doesn't know the city, Mm. hardly anyone could understand him. He insists that it was his uncle's wish and he would be just fine. So she's spending a long time with this conversation because no one can understand it. <laughs> what? <laughs> and so Monsieur Hulin takes over his uncle's affairs in London. He hires himself a new housekeeper. Oh. Who in one book is described as a sluttish looking woman. Wow. <laughs> so, like that's, that's fairly damning. <laughs> Clearly you mean untidy and unkempt. Or just as she rocks up in a bikini. Yes. <laughs> the first bikini that's ever been seen. <laughs> she's there. Brushing your drink, Governor. 
Much like that. Oh, she's your sexy French maid. A sexy French maid. Yeah, absolutely. So he goes around, he collects his uncle's rents, he eats his food, he drinks his wine, um, and has a very jolly time with the housekeeper. One evening, a Monsieur Hulin sends for a removal man, and a Mr. Henry Piper Julie arrives. He explains that his uncle is due back from his travel shortly, so he needs to move out, and that he has found a lovely little place in Fulham okay. and that he's, he's moving to. He doesn't have many belongings, but there is a wooden trunk in the kitchen that needs moving, so would he please oblige and oh, shift God. it over to Fulham. Piper calls in his assistant to help lift the trunk, but as soon as it's off the ground, the men saw blood seeping <gasps> from between the wooden planks. What?! Piper drops the box down, alarmed, and asks, what the hell is in the box? Um, Monsieur Hulin does not answer the question, but shouts at the men to just tie the box up and get on with it. Get on with the job in his thick French accent. The removal men hardly understand a word. And Henry Piper refuses and sends his assistant out of the house to fetch the police. This is not right. Something very wrong is is going on here. Piper can see Monsieur Hulin get more and more angry and agitated Mm. until suddenly he yells, get that bloody box out in a broad Scottish accent. No! (laughs) (laughs) As soon as he realises his mistake, he runs and he bolts out of the house with Piper giving chase. Yes! They run through the quiet streets of Chelsea for half a mile with the police trying to catch up until Monsieur oh, Hulin no. slips and falls, allowing the police and Henry Piper to get him. Piper returns to the house with a Sergeant Large. Who, Sergeant Large. Uh, Sergeant Large, oh, yeah. who prizes open the bleeding trunk. And inside they find the doubled up body of housekeeper Anne Boss wow. with a thin rope wrapped around her neck. Oh, Wow. So the the original housekeeper. The original housekeeper. So she didn't go to. She didn't she, go up oh. to Lincolnshire. She didn't go anywhere. Oh my god! She went to a trunk in the basement in the kitchen. Uh. Under the cunning disguise, the the, the foppish Frenchman, Monsieur Hulin, turns out to be Scottish plasterer Walter Miller. Oh my goodness! <laughs> who has created this elaborate persona to live a life of comfort at the Reverend's expense? That's that's ballsy. That's ballsy. Sure, surely people have seen him around if he's a plasterer and a labourer. Not in his French outfit. No, no, and not with ju- <laughs> not with his 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 pince-nez and his his elaborately waxed moustache. And he's just um, developed the worst accent in the world. And his his strong Scottish accent with a twang of French. So how about do you do it? that? So if you're a Scottish accent like that, and then I'm French and <laughs> so no wonder no one understands a word he's saying. We need to get Dave Keane to do a French accent, but badly, and yes. then record it for this episode. <laughs> When the police speak to Miller's builder colleagues at Wellington Square, they remembered that before he had quit the job, he had ordered a large hole to be dug in the garden. Oh, God. And sure enough, it was found to contain the body of Elias Hewlin. The old reverend had been bashed over the head with a shovel and then strangled and thrown into the pit. The hole even contained an empty bottle of brandy, um, leading to police to assume that Walter had required a bit of Dutch courage before mm. before carrying out his crime. Ugh. Now, this double murder sends shockwaves throughout the upper-class neighbourhood. Such things don't happen here. All this murdering is supposed to happen in the undesirable places. The East End, the yes. White Chapels, that's where this sort of thing happens. <laughs> Not White in Chapel, lovely, lovely Chelsea. White Chapel, fine. Absolutely. Absolutely fine. <laughs> Chelsea? Chelsea? Not Chelsea. Not Chelsea. Society is appalled about how a lowly manual labourer could plan the deliberate death of two blameless, respectable people, Ooh. steal all their money and valuables, and almost get away with it. Yeah. He's a clever man. He's a clever I mean, man, this, yeah. is, this is a ballsy plot. It, absolutely. Walter Miller is sentenced to death at the Old Bailey and executed at Newgate on August the 1st. 
he is so violent towards his jailers that they have to strap him into a chair to hang him. He keeps on trying to run um, and get Mm. away from his jailers. So they strap him into a chair to hang him. But the executioner hadn't taken this into consideration. And Miller ended up dangling from the rope, slowly strangling to death. Yeah, because the weight, the weight ratio, isn't it? So the double Chelsea murder with a foppish French gentleman (laughs) who turns out to be a Scottish builder. (laughs) (laughs) Good story! Oh, yes, definitely we needed to hear that story. Short as it is. Ah. Oh my, that was a roller coaster. I know, everything. I know, there's so much going on. They had everything in 15 minutes. That was incredible. Ooh, yeah, I can't believe <laughs> But how he got happened. away with it. He, he got did. away with he it for, away for with days it. and days and days and days. Weeks, in fact. I mean, you could you could make it up. This is the ah. stuff that novels and films are made of. Like, oh my God, this is, I love the just the confidence of that Scotsman Absolutely. going, I'm pretty sure I know what Frenchmen look like and sound like. <laughs> and everyone's going, what the hell is he saying? <laughs> Walking around with his moustache. And then he got no, he got in a, a sexy housekeeper. He got in a sexy in, housekeeper in, absolutely. Drinking the wine. Yeah, obviously he, he had taken the reverend's purse full of coins. He was yeah. merrily going around collecting the rents, getting himself a bit of an income as well. Yeah, I mean, he obviously, uh, you would think that because he's a labourer, he would have been seen around, recognisable, but clearly, clearly he did a good His job, disguise was, was disguise. well done. A foppish gentleman. Oh God, I can only imagine what he was doing in the street. <laughs> <laughs> but how you go from a Scottish labourer to a foppish Frenchman? It, that's quite a that's quite a leap in well, that's it, characterization it? and but well done him well done him he's the greatest actor of his generation the greatest actor of his generation unfortunately also mad <laughs> and a murderer ooh gruesome good story yay I'm ready for another so for tale number two, tale number two. we are heading tale to the two. other side of London to the dark and scary streets of Whitechapel yay if you've just elbowed Jack the Ripper in here, <laughs> to think... meet Jack the Ripper no 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 and his cafe <laughs> To meet Who is the res- disguised as a Spaniard. <laughs> to meet the most respectable and successful businessman, Henry Wainwright. Ooh, nice. Henry owns a brush factory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> know why that's funny people need brushes I know. this is a time before hoovers and rumbas and things like that you need a brush multiple why brushes why brushes funny i don't know why that's funny oh, oh okay carry on he, he has a factory at 84 whitechapel road and another further down the street at 215 that's um, where the dustpan <laughs> i don't know one factory making bristles the other one making handles or something yeah. i don't know <laughs> Uh, but he lives a very comfortable life. He has wife, he has a wife and four children, and he, they are all well known in the area, respectable middle class business people. Uh, but he also has a bit of a reputation as a ladies' man, ladies. um, and is a regular at the local theatre and variety halls, um, where he is often seen attempting to seduce the young actresses. While and they're on stage, <laughs> as they come off stage, he goes, "Oh, your performance was marvelous, darling." He says, "Yes, look at this. <laughs> look, at, look at my brush." <laughs> And he is quite successful with his seductions. Well, <laughs> it's a lot of money in brushes. Well, indeed. He has one of his mistresses is 19-year-old Harriet Lane. Uh, they had met in 1871 and Henry had set her up in her own lodgings and given her an allowance of five pounds a week. During their time as man and mistress, Harriet gave birth to two children, um, and Henry provided an allowance for their needs too. Now, what started out as great fun for Harriet, after a few years, turned fairly miserable. Mm. Um, At the beginning, she was young and free. Her lover took her to nice places and provided her with a home and an allowance which she could spend on nice, shiny things. 
But now she can hardly go out. She's got two young children to look after. Mm. And Henry does not seem to visit as often as he once did. Harriet hears from friends that Henry is still a regular at the theatres and and clubs. He is still out there sweet-talking the young ladies, showing off his brush collection. And Harriet is getting more and more annoyed about her lover's increasing indifference towards her. Well, she's Uh, not shiny and fun and new anymore. Exactly. And he's not available to have a nice married life with her. uh, Indeed. Now, this only gets ten times worse when she discovers that Henry is keeping another permanent mistress, a younger ballet dancer named Alice Day. Now, Henry is juggling a wife and two mistresses and countless lovers. But the brush business is not going quite as well. Um... (laughs) Henry had inherited the factory from his father Mm. um, and it turns out that Henry is not quite the businessman he thought he was and the Mm. business is hemorrhaging cash. Keeping two mistresses on the go couldn't have been particularly cheap either. Henry has to sell the family home and move to a much humbler house in a much rougher area which does not please his wife whatsoever. Um, You would have thought that perhaps cutting down on your number of mistresses would have been the first sort of cost-saving option but no, no, no. I I Um, think if you've got that many mistresses you don't then start to think hmm, if I just cut down on these then you're not you're not the sort of person who likes to economize this is very true or is one who is frugal in their taste absolutely horse will yes. have her trinkets <laughs> and he will have his horse <laughs> indeed by 1874 henry realizes that he has to do something about harriet not only is she a, an, an expense that he really cannot afford he much prefers visiting the younger and prettier alice day mm. whenever he does visit harriet she is often drunk she screams at him for seeing other women and not being there no she would have to go would have to go cannot carry on like this she's every right to be angry one day in september henry invites harriet to visit him at the factory at 215 whitechapel (laughs) she arrives expecting some sort of apology um, a declaration of love he's going to leave his wife he's going to run off with her Mm. they will all live happily ever after instead henry pulls out a pistol and shoots her in the head oh god well that was blunt yes indeed i thought he'd do some sort of elaborate ruse where he pushed her into the bristle vat no 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 she was slowly poked to death That would be a dramatic ending, um, but he's <laughs> yes, gone, no, none of that. Here's my gun. I'm going to shoot you, I'm going to shoot you in, in the, head. the head. Oh, no. He then takes out a knife uh. and, just to be sure, slits her throat. He buries her body in a shallow grave under the floor in a small workshop at the back of the factory. Not many people miss Harriet Lane. She is She was often drunk and, and a nuisance and loud and noisy and mm. it's quite nice to have a bit of peace and quiet, really. When anyone did ask Henry what happened to her, he would tell them, oh, she has gone off with another man. They've gone to Europe and she is having a delightfully jolly time that was that and henry believes he's got rid of one complication this is this is done and dusted oh i'm got away with this scot free but things did not quite work out just a couple of months later the factory at 84 whitechapel road the second one burns down now the insurance company know of the financial difficulties that henry was in Mm. um and suspected that the fire was arson something was awry here and they refused to pay out at mm-hmm. all. Now, we don't know if the fire was, in fact, arson or just an, an accident. We don't know. But the insurance company say, nah, not having it. Henry is entirely screwed. So the following year, he goes bankrupt. The remaining factory is handed to a solicitor to run on Henry's behalf to try and recoup some of the money um, that is owned. And it is leased out to tenants. That some of the new tenants complain about a horrendous smell coming oh. from the back workshop. Henry blames it on some rotting cabbages. <laughs> That's what it is. Rotting cabbages. That's what's causing that. Which you need to make a brush. Absolutely. <laughs> Some rotting cabbages. Some rotting cabbages. How is that an excuse that no one looked into? I he don't just know. said it's rotting cabbages. Please do not follow this up at any point. <laughs> don't do. go and look. That's my cabbage supply. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. 
But, I mean, it does little to persuade the tenants, but rather than investigate further, they just go, fuck this, I'm off, and they leave. Well, yeah, I suppose that's a, oh, if we go digging into this, then we may be responsible for whatever we find. They just go, nah, I don't want any of this, I'm out, I'm out of here. And cabbage is the greatest poison of them all. <laughs> Eventually, the lawyers decide that the only way to repay Henry's debts is to sell the factory. Yeah. Um, there is no other option. Now, Henry knows he has to act fast. The new owners are not going to be so easily fooled with stories of rotting cabbages. <laughs> And Henry turns to his brother, Thomas, for help. Now, Thomas was an ironmonger, um, and he worked out of a nearby pub, the Hen and Chickens. Yay! <laughs> Thomas had a key to the pub and a key to the cellar. It was a very large, very deep, very dark cellar <laughs> okay. that constantly smells of mould and damp. Yeah. No one would ever find a body hidden away in a quiet corner down there. They're going to move the body? That's the plan. How long has she been under the ground? About a year. <gasps> oh! But how to get it from the workshop to the pub without being seen. Some form of bucket, I believe. (laughs) So the 10th of September, Henry lets himself into the old old workshop and pries up the floorboards and digs up Harriet's remains. The remains are actually remarkably well preserved. He has used some chemicals that he had intended would hasten the decomposition. But rather he's actually picked the wrong chemicals. And what he's actually (laughs) sprinkled is a preservative. Oh. Over the... over the corpse so she's actually she's very well preserved um and well, maybe it's arsenic he's done. <laughs> yeah. and there's there has been the smell but otherwise it's nowhere near as decomposed as one would expect after a year oh god <laughs> henry dismembers the body Ooh. and wraps up the remains in two large canvas parcels yeah the next day henry goes to a former worker at the factory a chap called alfred stokes and asks him to, for help carrying some packages now alfred is only too happy to help his old boss and henry leads him to the workshop where the two large neatly wrapped parcels sit on a bench alfred picks up the larger of the two packages and henry the smaller and they start out towards the hen and chickens they don't get too far when alfred starts complaining this parcel is really heavy and it smells really bad yes what could you be transporting <laughs> uh, he's not sure how much further he can carry this henry relents and realizes he's just got a cab to begin with he leaves both parcels with alfred on the street and goes to find some transport as alfred stands waiting on the street corner curiosity gets the better of him yes and he pulls open the wrapping of one of the parcels and to his horror he sees a hand and other more unidentifiable lumps of flesh he drops the parcels leaves them where they are and runs to find a policeman in the meantime henry returns with a cab and is really pissed off that alfred is just fucked off leaving these parcels unattended in the street but he loads the parcels into the cab himself and off he goes alfred sees the cab drive away and gives chase Mm. chases after it good for alfred absolutely alfred is the hero here he's the hero at the crossing of aldgate and leadenhall street he tries to persuade two policemen that the man in the cab just there has parcels full of ladies hands <laughs> <laughs> the police think him drunk or mad yes. um and send him packing oh. <laughs> henry in the meantime is merrily riding along in his cab unaware of alfred giving chase behind mm. uh, where he spots alice day walking down the street his ballerina oh. mistress Hello. um he stops the cab and offers a would you like what? a ride? What? Would you like a ride in my cab? And she gladly accepts and climbs in. Oh, Jesus Christ. Henry takes long puffs on his fat cigar, trying to fill the carriage with smoke to mask the smell of Harriet's rotting remains in the parcels by his feet. Oh, my God, he's an idiot. <laughs> 
<laughs> but my mistress is there. It'd be so lovely. Exactly. He did not want to pass up an opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely clearly. not. What does he think is going to happen in the cab? <laughs> I know it's full of cigar smoke and there's the smell of rotting flesh in here, but do you fancy a bit? But yeah, exactly. Henry and Harriet spend a lovely carriage ride, chatting and passing the time. <laughs> a lovely carriage ride? Well, it's delightful, while Alfred runs behind, unwilling to give up the chase. Oh, so there's the smell and then the distant sound of a man screaming, it's full of ladies' hands. Alice is going, oh, I'm such a lucky girl. I'm such a lucky girl. What a lovely man I have. As the carriage pulls up outside the hen and chicken's pub, Alfred was at last able to convince a constable that he was neither mad nor drunk and that the man in the carriage had two parcels full of human bits. Mm. The constable approaches the cab and orders that the parcel be opened. Um, Henry protests at this invasion of privacy, but nonetheless they are opened and various parts of Harriet Lane's dismembered body tumble into the street. Whoa. Both Henry and Alice are arrested at once. Nothing is found to incriminate Alice any further. She was an unwitting passenger in the cab, completely unaware of the package's contents, Mm. um, or probably even who Harriet was. Yeah. Henry's brother, Thomas, the one who came up with a plan for the disposal in the pub cellar, is sentenced to seven years in Mm. prison as an accessory to murder. The evidence against Henry himself is damning, and he is sentenced to death at the Old Bailey. On the 21st of December, 1875, he walks to the scaffold, calmly smoking one of his big fat cigars. Before the lever is pulled, he stares at the gathered crowd and exclaims, Come to see a man die, have you, you curs? And he drops to his death. Oh, <laughs> nice. It's story number two. Story number two. Yay! Oh, that had everything too. I know. Good stories. Oh, these are great. We don't need to do long stories no, anymore. Absolutely. Just rattle through Lots these. of little ones. They're fantastic. <laughs> oh, my God. See, that one, I'm surprised there's not more detail of like, because these are incredible stories, but as you say, we we sometimes come across them and be like, oh, just if, if there could just be more detail in there. Yes, we could go up to London and scour through archives to get another five minutes yeah. of material. But, but incredible that he just <laughs> thought that that would work. That would work, absolutely. That's the way forward. Oh, my God. Oh, brushes. <laughs> brushes. Mm, they drive you mad with the power. God, Alice, that's not a good day for her. No, indeed. Yeah, that's very unlucky. Oh, it's all kicking off in white travel. Oh, I know. Now, do we have time for one more? Do we? I think we do. Do we? Do we? Do we? Do we? Do we? Do we? Okay. Our last case. We're gonna have three. Our last case. We are traveling out of London. Good things come in threes. Well, this is very. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale 
at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Out of London, you say? Out of London. We are going to the Midlands, to West Bromwich. Ooh, West Bromwich. Just outside Birmingham. Ooh, very good, very good. It is 5.30am on the 25th of June, 1871. Mm. An engine driver, Isaac Blockeridge, is making his way home. What? That's <laughs> a very good engine driver name. It's a good engine driver, yes. Isaac Blockeridge, he's Blockeridge, an engine driver. Yes. So he is, he is heading home after his shift when he sees smoke billowing from a window of one of the shacks that surround uh, the Hall End coal pits. Isaac was familiar with the area and knew that that was the humble home of Joseph Marshall. Now, Marshall was well known in the area. He was an old colliery worker with a mean reputation and locals had nicknamed him Lame Joe. When Isaac enters the shack, he is nearly overwhelmed by the stench of burning meat. Meat or man? (laughs) At first, he assumes that Lame Joe has put something onto roast and forgotten about it, passed out. But as he investigates further towards the fire, he sees the charred remain of a human body spread out on the hearth. Burning coals and timber had been shoveled over the body, Mm. leaving only the head and legs sticking out intact. Seeing the face... Isaac Lee instantly knows that this is the body of Lame Joe. Isaac rushes out to find the police and they come quickly to investigate. They found that Joe had been hit in the head three times with enough force to crack his skull. The police went to Joe's usual haunts to try and find out what has been going on and they discovered that that night he had been seen drinking at the Nag's Head with another collier, a chap called John Higginson, known locally as Black Jack. These are terrible names for people. Terrible names. Well, I'm assuming he's a collier. He's come out from the coal mine. Very, very covered in coal. So Black Jack and Lame Joe. Black Jack and Lame Joe. What was everyone else called? I don't know. Stabby Tim. <laughs> Green Percy. Oh, uh, we've got another one coming up. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Apparently the two of them have been seen together quite frequently. Though they're not always on the friendliest of terms. That night they had in fact been screaming at each other. Ooh. And had even thrown a few punches um, before they got kicked out of the pub and they had staggered off. Black Jack's landlady said that he had gotten home at around 11pm and then passed out in front of the fire. She said that he had woken at about 3am and told people he was going out mushroom picking okay <laughs> which at the time was thought quite odd yes i'm going out for mushrooms i'm going out for mushrooms at three in the morning yeah um unless he was trying to get high potentially yeah. who knows who knows but jack was gone for the best part of an hour before he returned looking quite pale and, and a bit frightened there was excitement in the air when the news broke that lame joe had been murdered right. uh, jack's landlady banged on the door and urged him to come and take a look at the corpse come and look come and look before the police take it away <laughs> strangely jack refused and stays in his bed very odd behavior thought the landlady yes Ooh. 
who wouldn't want to see that? Yeah, get a gander at this. Go and yes. have a look at the dead on fire person. Yeah, most people would be like, I'm, I'm good, thanks, love, thank you. <laughs> Not at the time, I don't think they would be. I think it'd be no, more odd that you didn't go and want to go and see. The police were police were quick to come and look for Jack after they found out about the fight in the pub. But they had also found three witnesses who saw Jack walking towards the pit jacks at around 3am that really? night. And then again, walking the other way around 20 minutes later. This, for the police, was enough to convince them of Jack's guilt. At the inquest, Blackjack had nothing to say. He seemed completely dumbfounded and confused with what was going on. Hmm. Um, Luckily, he actually had a good defence barrister on his side. He argued that Lane Joe was a worthless drunk. Um, The two had simply got into a late night quarrel during which the simple-minded Jack had struck his opponent without the intention of killing him, entirely Mm. accidental. Somehow he managed to make them forget that the piling on of burning coals um, afterwards. um, Yeah. What? (laughs) So that was was casually not mentioned again. Yes. Um, The jury found Jack guilty of manslaughter. Though he was spared the death penalty, he was sentenced to life in a penal colony. Still, no one really knew why the two men had argued. They had often been seen together, but they obviously weren't friends. So why do they spend so much time together? And what on earth could Lane Joe have done to deserve such a fiery ending? Yes. The reason slowly came out of the woodwork. No one mourned the passing of Lame Joe. He was a mean-spirited, mm. ugly, cross-eyed, selfish, angry man. You're painting some quite the picture of this man. <laughs> some said even a warlock. Oh, a warlock. <laughs> Okay, this story just took a turn. Blackjack, well, he was a simple, superstitious countryman. He knew well enough to steer clear of cross-eyed people. They possessed magic powers. (laughs) Do they? They do. Do they? They I've not heard that. Well, apparently Blackjack thought so. He's cross-eyed. He's cross-eyed. He must be magical. He he, he has magic magic powers. There's visual impairment that he has. (laughs) All his other senses are heightened. Joe knew of Jack's superstitious ways and takes full advantage. Hmm. Joe claimed that he would put the evil eye on Jack unless he kept his ale jug full and his belly fed. Oh, he's blackmailing him. Blackmailing him. (gasps) Blackmailing Black Jack. Buy him beer, buy him food, and I will not put the evil eye on you. Nice. Jack tries to evade Joe by changing his drinking spots, but Joe always tracks him down to share his drinking money, to share... In Jack's drinking money. After months and months of these threats um, and blackmail, Jack has had enough. The only way to preserve what was left of his beer money was to get a little magic on his side of his own. No. And so he goes to consult with another local warlock uh, known as the Sedgley Wizard. No! (laughs) The Sedgley Wizard. The Sedgley Wizard, Wizard, which I googled and there was no other mention of him apart from this story, which I'm really annoyed about. Because I want him to be a thing. I'm sure he is, but then you would, he's he's a warlock. He has wiped his name from the this annals is true. of history. Absolutely. <laughs> so Black Jack has gone to see the Sedgley wizard. The wizard told Jack that the only way to rid himself of lame Joe and his curse is to kill him yeah. and reduce his body to cinder. And then he would be free. Oh and so God. Jack followed the wizard advice. It doesn't sound like much wizardly advice. It sounds like someone going, just kill him. I don't... Yeah. And I'm sure he charged a pretty penny for exactly. that piece of advice. He's a shit warlock. <laughs> You'd expect him to at least go put three drops of this tincture into his beer and he shall be incapacitated. <laughs> just no. sounds like he just found someone in the street and going, I've heard you, who's wearing a funny hat that day. And they were, just kill him, mate. Just yeah. burn his body, Whack mate. him on the head, set him on fire. No more curses. <laughs> 
But Blackjack say he was a simple-minded, superstitious oh, no. chap. He believed what he had been told. That was the end of Lame Joe and his Lame cross-eyed Joe. evil ways. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Back then, this is what, 1871? This is 18, yeah, absolutely, 1870s. Yeah, yeah. So superstition back then is that you have to burn the body. And the body, and then if it's, you know, if it's it's changeling, they'll jump out. But also, yes, reduce it to cinders. Otherwise, the curse will follow you everywhere. Quite. I mean, mean, power to Lame Joe. If he was a warlock or not, he's just like, this guy is terrified of stuff. I'm going to milk this. I'm going to milk this for what I can. (laughs) I can just imagine him kind of jumping out behind trees and turning up, (laughs) popping up behind the bar. I'm a warlock. I'm a warlock. I'm going to crush your family. <laughs> Buy me a beer. <laughs> Buy me a beer. And that was it. He just wanted beer He wanted and beer and sandwiches. <laughs> Blackjack. What an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Falling for it every time. The, probably the locals love this. Well, this absolutely. The, the innkeepers are raking it in. <laughs> if Lame Joe was known as mean, then yeah. people probably thought you are really being cruel to this poor, simple-minded man. Absolutely. Or they all believed it. Or they because it's a superstitious time. Yeah. Did people, many people may well have accepted that, no, this was... I'll put the evil eye this on This was you. a thing. And if this <laughs> suspicion of cross-eyed people and things was, it may have been very local to that area. Mm. Um, but if everyone knew of that superstition, then yeah, absolutely. Well, he that's is it. a man to be feared. If you're the sort of person who looks different, what are the other tropes of, physical tropes of, of witchcraft and war? Well, there's a three nipple thing. Yes, if you if you do go into the pub and just go, hey, everybody have a look, <laughs> buy me it's a pints. It's surefire way to get extra pints. <laughs> so three nipples. Isn't that a bit, isn't that just from Scaramanga? <laughs> no, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a devil thing because then the, the, uh, your familiars suckle on the third nipple and things. Okay, gone straight yeah. to the nipples. I'm sure warts and things. If you had a, a wart, then absolutely there yeah. would be. There's the old thing of a of a man with his eyebrows meeting in the middle. He's a he's a werewolf. He's a vampire or a vampire. Yeah, a big no, he's werewolf. Werewolf. Yeah, werewolf. Or he's, he's we evil. Peak was the vampire. Yes, <laughs> eyebrows meet in the middle, or he's the devil in disguise, yeah. or something. But there, I think there's other physical traits. Well, a big people. third eye in the middle. <laughs> that, that'll do it. That'll do it. Big pointy hat and twelve a, arms. Yes, with a brush. Yeah, brush. <laughs> a brush supplied from Whitechapel with a cat on it. That's a sure for. Sorry. Those, those curly shoes. <laughs> no, that's that's uh, that's genies. Ah, good wrong. Big harem pants. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which would be stand, which would make you stand out in the Midlands of the time. <laughs> oh God, please make it that Lame Joe had like cross eyes and like an eyebrow that met in the middle and just big harem pants. <laughs> that's a good story. Oh, the, is it the Sedgwick? Wizard. The, the Sedgley wizard. Sedgley. Sedgley, Sedgley wizard. wizard. Was just a guy on the it's street. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, Sedgley I'm wizard. I'm the Sedgley wizard. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously the news had spread that poor Black Jack was like, he believes everyone's a wizard. We can coin this in. But three stories. Three stories. Excellent stories yeah. as well. Oh, I love those. Funny that stories, silly stories. Crazy Victorian nonsense. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> not, and, and bloody murder. And bloody murder. Yeah, yeah, pretty grim, pretty grim, all of this. What do you think, people? We hope you enjoy the uh, the little mini story format. I, I love it. I yeah. personally love it. Oh, I've got a whole book full of these. There'll be loads more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we do come across loads of little mini stories yeah. that just you can't stretch out they're so good but you know it would really be doing your disservice if you kind of went uh, 15 minutes that's it but if you've got more in that case little tiny nuggets do send them through but yes tell us what you think of the stories you had three there 
as ever, jump on the comments of this episode, share your thoughts with us about the stories, new stories you want to hear. What do you think of all the characters that we've come across today? <laughs> By all means, do do uh, voice notes if you want through Instagram of what you think the first guy's accent sounded like. <laughs> oh, yes, that'll be a good the one. Scottish French the Scottish French one. Scottish Frenchman. Do some videos on, on Instagram or wherever you, you, you <laughs> nice. do your social media and, and just tag us in it. <laughs> just do impressions of that. And uh, the guy in the middle brushes why are brush factories so funny (laughs) he was confident to say the least yeah absolutely thanks for listening guys we will see you on friday for the main episode we will see you next week for more deadly nightcaps but in the meantime keep drinking keep talking about poison and remember your loved ones are trying to kill you bye